2: Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts. Up first, he puts the stud in Ristic Study. It's Matt Morgan. So, Joey, do you know what the hottest letter of the
1: alphabet is? Uh, I don't know. Z or something? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. N- not even close. It's B, because it can even make oil boil. Uh, oh, <laughs> that is yes it absolutely is what a very transformative letter well done letter b (laughs) i I turned the heat up on this joke and so I'm, i'm sorry to listeners at home if uh it's too warm in here for you wow okay that's that's great
2: all right up next he puts the rhythm in rhythm of the wild actually wait a second he puts the wild in rhythm of the wild too it's dana roach
0: i like that second one better for sure Um, Did you hear about the guy who started fixing breakfast at midnight on December 31st? Uh, No. He wanted to make a New Year's toast.
2: Dang it. Oh, (laughs) no.
0: Oh, I'm not okay. Wholesome.
2: (laughs) oh you guys are wordsmiths and geniuses and i absolutely adore you both that was great all right this is the edh rec cast edh rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks and here on the podcast what we like to do is give all of that data just a little more context dana what is it that we're talking about in this week's episode
0: our favorite Underplayed Commanders, Chapter 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah,
2: I suppose it is a kind of a, a revisitation of a topic. We haven't mentioned uh, anything about underplayed, like way underplayed commanders since... Oh, goodness, like June of 2021. So we've had a lot of new, I mean, let's be real, there have been approximately 525,600 new legendary creatures in the interim time. So yeah, let's talk about some more of those legendary creatures that we like that have kind of slipped through the cracks that we think deserve a little bit more of the spotlight. But before we get into our main topic, we've got a couple of shout outs that we got to do.
0: First, I'd like to thank Chase, also known as Curves, for help editing the show. You can find them on Twitter at Curves.
2: EDHREC is also streaming on WhatNot. You can follow our content manager, Jason Alt, as he does awesome stuff on those WhatNot streams, like giveaways and cool stuff like that. Follow EDHREC on social media to learn more. And if you want to sign up to be eligible for any of those awesome, fun things, you can go to whatnot.com
1: slash invite slash EDHREC. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by liking and subscribing the video on YouTube, subscribing on your local podcast apps... Or you can go to patreon.com slash retcast, where we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. Whether you want to join the Discord community we have, whether you want to see all the historic challenge stats picks, see all the episodes a day early. There's all that and more over at patreon.com slash retcast including the very special and exclusive tier where we give a shout out to a patron every single week. And this week, Ryan Leverone, thank you so much for your support. We definitely appreciate it. Um, I hope you're related to Kevin Leverone, as in like the bodybuilder. Because that person was massive, <laughs> literally, and in, the, in their their popularity.
2: Oh, but well, and you know what's also massive? Our appreciation for you, Ryan. Thank you, Matt, am my dad. Joking, correct? Did I do You're, it? You, your <laughs> uncle joking? You're getting close, <laughs> um,
1: but not quite.
2: That is fantastic. Also, I gotta I gotta pause and address. You said our exclusive tier. It's literally just one dollar. One dollar Patreon tier is our, is our is exclusive
1: our to <laughs> Patreon.com/slashedcast. <laughs> So you're just trying to get the additional plugs in there as much as possible. Yeah, right I'm now. I'm I'm just making sure that Ryan knows that <laughs> their shout out was so exclusive, they're the only one getting it this week. <laughs>
2: wow. That's how exclusive it is. Oh, goodness. Well, anyway, folks, thank you so, so much for the support. We really love shouting out everyone who supports the show. It is it really it warms our hearts every time that we that we get to see the people who want to put their support behind. It's that it means a whole lot. But okay, we've got a show that we've got to get into now. So let's get to it. Our primary takeaway from the 2022 year in review show was Basically, to the effect of like the increasing product overload has led to a lot of cards getting overlooked in the format. And we talked a lot about some of the cards in the 99 on that episode. But for this episode, we want to kind of give some more of the legends a bit more of the spotlight, too. Not just from this past year, but there are just a whole bunch of commanders out there that since there are so many legends out nowadays, we feel like some of them deserve a little bit more of the spotlight. So, yeah, I guess we're going to just kind of get on into it. I I, I suppose, actually, Dana, I'll throw this question to you first. How did you define in your head what underplayed means now that we have so many legends out there? Like, what does underplayed mean to you?
0: I mean, there's a bit of a shifting scale. Like, if the commander is, you know, three months old, that's going to be a different number than if it's, you know, three or four years old or something. But, like, basically, I feel like it, If it's in more than, say, 12 decks, it's too popular for me. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I I felt like it it probably should be, particularly if it's a few years old, it should be under less than 500 decks, I would say, on average. That's what I was kind of thinking in terms of underplay.
2: Matt, is that a similar metric for you?
1: I mean, I don't think there's a hard number that you can really say is like, Qualifies as underplayed because there there are so Mm. many commanders out there these days, and only so many decks. It's really hard to say like a definitive number. I I think more if it's outside the top like ten to fifteen of a certain theme that you're trying to do, then it might be underplayed. Because when you start digging into some commanders, they do some really cool things, but they're just kind of drowned out by you know the 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 two lanes and the Corvolds of the world. (laughs) So underplayed to me, like it, it. Sometimes I look at a commander and I think. You can't tell me there are 10 better elf commanders than what I'm looking at right here. That's kind of what I get to defining underplayed as is it should be played in more for what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to look at it for.
2: Yeah, I think it's an important thing for us to mention that underplayed can be like there are some hard lines that you can draw, and yet also there's a lot of subjectivity that goes into it as well. Yeah. And it might even depend on the color combination that you're choosing. Like you can literally go twenty four Golgari commanders deep before you finally find a Golgari commander that has fewer than a thousand decks to it. Like we are dealing with some huge legend overload in the format, so there's a lot of different metrics. But we've each got our own versions of what underplayed means, and hopefully that these will just be uh the, hopefully these will each be fun commanders that folks out there might resonate with and that you want to give a try to because that strategy is pretty interesting once you start delving into it and they've just been historically overshadowed and we want to bring them back into the light. Uh, Dana, how about we start off with you? What is one of your favorite underplayed commanders as of 2022?
0: So my first choice here for a neat underplayed commander is Rona, Disciple of Gix from back in the Dominaria set. Um, Rona is one, a black and a blue, so three mana in mirror colors. For a human artificer, she's a 2-2. Um, when Rona enters a battlefield, you may exile target Historic card from your graveyard, and you may cast non-land cards exiled with Rona. She also has an ability to commit four mana and tap her to exile the top card of your library to further feed that. But um I, I think the strength of this commander, that's pretty aggressively costed three mana f- f- for something that lets you play things Kind of from out of your graveyard. You have to exile them with her first, then you can replay them. Um, and I think if you're looking to do reanimation stuff. There's like way better commanders to do that. But I think the strength of this commander is probably to do something like make it your super friends commander or a planeswalker commander oh. in demir colors because those are legendary creatures and that, that counts or legendary permanents, excuse me. And that counts as a historic permanent. So. Any planeswalker that you either, you know, use its abilities and it goes to the graveyard naturally or somebody else hits hard enough and, and knocks it to the graveyard, you can recur it and reuse it with, with Rona. You're in colors that both have the ability to blink her, um, in blue to, to reuse that ability or to just reanimate her if she dies to, to get that trigger off again. Um, there's, you know, plenty of ways to, to reuse that ability multiple times per turn if you want to do that to bring planeswalkers back to your hand. Her ability also works with, you know, things like the Chain Veil that you're probably going to want in that deck. And if someone blows up the Chain Veil, well, you can bring that back. Or if someone (laughs) blows up any of your proliferate artifacts that are really useful to put more counters on your Planeswalkers, like, say, contagion Engine, you can bring that back as well. And perhaps most importantly, the art on this card is awesome. (laughs) It's one of my favorite pieces, I think, for an actual Commander, and it should see more play for that reason alone. But I, I legitimately think it's probably a useful commander that you could do something with in a way that nothing else in Demir really does. And I think it definitely should see more play than the, I think, 215 decks it's in right now in the DH
1: Yeah, right off the bat, you're you're getting so specific with applications on maybe a little underpowered of a commander that I. I can see why there's only, you know, 200-ish decks to the name. Sure. <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> you're getting into the specifics of the specifics. And when Dana even is is trying to to nitpick something, that's when you know, folks, this is a, a deep cut of, of a commander.
0: And I think that is kind of the key for a lot of the underplayed commanders. You know, I think you're not going to find anything when you're looking down in the 200 deck range. You're not going to be like, oh, this is the perfect elf commander for me because – but there's a reason no one else is playing that as the elf commander. I think you tend to have to look for something kind of obscure, but mm. if you're willing to dig in a little bit of the text, I'm like, how can, how can I think outside the box? I think that's where you find some real sleepers among these underplayed commanders for sure. Yeah,
2: and there are a lot of very interesting Planeswalkers that you could play in these colors. Mm-hmm. Like Dana, I have seen you, you have a, a, a blue-black artifacts deck, and you'll drop a Tezzeret Master of the Bridge and do so much work. You'll drop a Tezzeret the Seeker or a Tezzeret Artifice Master, and you'll do so like an agonizing amount of damage with those types of things. And here they'd be perfect. So you get the best of, like, you can get a whole bunch of cool artifacts to tinker around with while also preserving your Planeswalkers to cast later. This is, that is very, very clever. I'm... I, I feel like you've been sitting on that idea for a couple of years now. Actually, <laughs> I, I have
0: If I didn't already have a Mono White Super Friends deck, I would have built this deck. I've, I've definitely thought about it quite a bit. So this is not one I just like mm. came up with this week in Brainstorming Underpoint Commanders. This is one I have absolutely had in the pocket for a while.
2: All right, that is yeah, that's fantastic. So you mentioned there you've got like the deep cut among the deep cut, like it's not just the historic stuff. You're going like the the demure super friends. so you're going niche within niche, um and that is a great way to find stuff that could be uh, you know an underplayed commander. I kind of want to take a a slightly different approach here. For there is an established archetype, but I want to shift its colors. I think that that can be another fun way that we find a an underplayed commander, an underserved legend that could actually do a whole lot of work for you. I think I. I might have mentioned this commander before on the show but i want to look at the back half of Yuvilda dean of perfection specifically i want to look at nasari dean of expression which only has 333 decks right now but i have played against this deck a couple of times and It's a house. Nasari, Dean of Expression, is a 5-mana 4-4 Efreet Shaman. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of each opponent's library until end of turn. You may cast spells from among the exiled cards, and you may spend mana as though it was mana of any color to cast those spells. And whenever you cast a spell from exile, you get a plus-one, plus-one counter on Nasari, Dean of Expression. Don't even. It, it doesn't even matter what Uvilda does. Like we're we're only here for the Nasari. That is such a potent effect. That is a stolen strategy in the command zone. That's three cards per turn. And it gets enormous as you're just doing the thing of casting spells. Like we've seen a lot of the cast from exile get benefit rewards this year. We've seen stuff like Lelia and Prosper have gotten really popular. But Nasari is sitting there to allow you to get access to those effects in red and blue, not just in red and black, like we've seen this historically. And I think that means we have a lot of untapped potential that you can do because blue loves playing with exiley stuff too. And this is a very but this has just so much potential that is neat to dig into.
0: There's also a few build paths here with this too. Like, you know, you mentioned how you don't really have to pay attention to, to the uh evil I forget how you pronounce it on the other side, the Dean of Perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ignore that entirely and play it as a is it commander and never cast the other side, but you can also play it as a Mono Red commander. I mean, like I Or you can play with the intention of using either side depending on like what you need more at the moment, but like you can tweak the deck with that in mind. You can absolutely build this as an Asari deck in mono red, you could build it as an Asari deck and have is it cards in the play, in, in the deck, you know, blue cards that you'll cast that will play it with what it does with no intention of ever using the blue half. Like, I think that's one of the things with, with these two, yeah. two sided commanders, people looked at them like, oh, I don't know what I would do with the other side. Well, you ignore it. Like, you, you, if you don't want to do it, you could ignore it and use the color or you could ignore the color entirely. It's up to you. <laughs> you could make a mono blue Asari deck. Yeah. Sure. If, yeah, if you wanted to, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I, I 100% agree that sometimes players get decision paralysis with all the things going on with any given commander, Mm. and that just just discourages them from playing that altogether. With all the words that are on this one piece of cardboard, which is, I believe, uh, War and Peace only has like (laughs) 17,000 pages. This has 16,004, so it's pretty dang close. Uh, But everything going on there, you're absolutely right, there's... I I could imagine players getting so worried about missing out on some value by not being able to take advantage of one side that they ignore the card altogether when one side or the other, both of them are probably good enough to be a commander just in general. So, yes, I would like to see more people just enjoy this card, but sometimes decision paralysis is a thing. There are just too many words and folks get lost like I did. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, and there are like a lot of the play stuff from exile get benefit strategies that we've seen have definitely appeared in red. You know, Wild Magic mm-hmm. Sorcerer is going to give your, uh, the spells that you cast from exile, the first one each turn gets Cascade. Or we've seen how Atali can play so many cards from exile and that will pump up this commander. Um, passionate Archaeologist is a new background in red that says whenever you cast a spell from exile, you'll deal damage equal to the mana. Like we're all pretty familiar with those. But blue opens up some really fun options here like sphinx of the second sun and paradox haze are really cool with this commander so that you can get that effect multiple times because you'll get additional upkeep triggers to steal even more stuff from your opponents or you can use sage of the beyond which will reduce the cost of the spells that you cast from exile or dazzling sphinx is another way to just straight up take stuff from your opponents or personal favorite Mind's dilation giving you free stuff basically every turn from Exile. Like Blue has a lot to offer the play from Exile strategy, and it's all sitting right here with Nasari waiting for people to to discover it. And I think there's just a lot that you can sink your teeth into.
1: Well, speaking of sinking teeth into something, um, I'm going to steal the spotlight and sink my teeth into the next pick. Uh. Um, don't 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 worry about how bad that segue was. It's just going to happen. <laughs> um, so this commander, I'm going to cheat a little bit because uh, it is a fairly new commander, but. The reason that there's less than 300 decks is uh, 240 right now, I believe, is Titanian Nature's Force. And the only reason it's not more popular, I would gander, is because it's so dang impossible to open this card in a pack. (laughs) I don't even know how you get it from a pack. And that just means, in general, there's not going to be very many of these up in the wild, which means people can't really buy them from their shops. And so, yeah, it just kind of puts a cap on how many... Decks can be built, but Titania's Nature's Force is in the new Brother's War Commander set, kind of. It's not in the pre-cons. <laughs> you can only open it in Collector boosters, something. But for Green Green, you may play a force from your graveyard right there. That's pretty good. Uh, whenever a force enters the battlefield near your control, you create a 5-3 green elemental creature token. And whenever an elemental you control dies, you mill three cards. So right there, this just got an amazing land package there uh obviously you're going to put this into your omnath locus of rage decks and your your omnath locus of whatever <laughs> but at the commander this is already pretty good joy i know you have the other titania the other mono green commander this does so much that i there it's a one thing you're going to notice as a theme of the commanders that i like to talk about this episode is They do a lot of great utility things. Nothing is outstanding, but they do so much of of a bunch of little things that there's a lot of value to be had by putting these cards in the command zone. And I absolutely think that Titania Nature's Force is one of them. Uh, It's so so young of a card. There's no way it's going to stay this unpopular for long. People are finally going to start seeing it in the wild. People are definitely going to build this, but... For now, there's less than 300 decks out there, so I'm going to pick this one this week uh, because I think it's a fantastic commander for one, and then just yeah, it's it's going to be built more.
2: Well, he, here's the thing: like I, this you you mentioned I have Titania Protector of Argoth uh, as one of my my decks, and so this new Titania is in a lot of ways competing against the old Titania like there's a big comparison to be had there the older one who when your lands die you get five three elementals and that one is probably a bit more established in the field this is also though competing against a bunch of landfall decks that are very famous very classic so there's a big competition it entering onto the scene Mm -hmm. but Matt there's another version of Titania that was printed in the Brothers War proper set Uh, Titania Voice of Gaia which is a meld half which turns into Titania Gaia incarnate when you meld it with a land and that One has uh, 367 decks to its name right now. So, in addition to the fact that there were approximately 30 legends that came out in the Brothers War and the Brothers War Commander set, there was another version of Titania that is getting more attention than the Titania that you just mentioned. So, this thing is up against a whole host of commanders from the Brothers War set. It is up against two other versions of itself, and it's up against basically all of the Landfall decks that are already out there, and all of the Elemental Tribal decks that are out there too. Like, this thing's got a lot of competition that is up against right now so i think that this will probably stay as underplayed just by dint of comparison alone
1: i mean y- you're saying there's a lot of landfall decks we, we say that about pretty much every simic commander these days and every simic commander still finds a way to have five thousand decks so
0: color me jaded i think joey's right in that i understand why there's a lot of competition for this card to be played but i also agree with matt it's a great commander that should see more play for sure so like, I, I, I get the logic about why it's not being played very heavily so far and probably won't ever get played very heavily. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be, right? Like, I think it's a super cool commander that does a lot of really neat things and if you like playing that particular deck, if, if that looks like an interesting playstyle to you, but one of your friends or, or somebody in your LGS or whatever is playing one of the other Titanias <laughs> that plays a little bit similarly, well, this, this lets you still play the playstyle without feeling like you're playing a clone of that same deck. You can play something kind of similar, run a few of the same cards, but maybe not everything and still get that same feeling, just playing a different commander, which I think is a really useful thing to have an option to do as well.
1: Well, then you just turn into that meme of. All the Spider Man's right, right Yeah, it's all Titania's. It's like, no, I'm Titania. No, I, no, I'm Titania.
2: <laughs> I, I think we should absolutely do that. We should on our next stream, we should have a Titania off. <laughs> the Titania. I, I'm in. Yeah. Tune in at Twitch.tv/slash Redcast for the Titania <laughs> showdown. There you, you, you,
0: you, you. Now, now you're I getting mean, the hang of it, Joey. it, There it is. My next underplayed commander here is from way back in Theros Beyond Death, which was you know 2021. But it was 12 sets ago, which once <laughs> upon a time would have been like five years. Yeah. Um it, So it seems like it was way further back than it actually was. But it's only in 220 decks, and Plukonos Unchained is four mana. Um, it's a zombie hydra. It comes into play with six plus one counters on it, and it escapes with 12 plus one counters on it. So hmm. if you're casting it from your command zone, it's a 6-6 six, six for four mana. And if you're casting it from your graveyard with the um, escape clause, it's a 12-12. Um, it has a clause if damage would be dealt to it while it has plus one counters on it you prevent that damage and remove that many plus one counters from it but that's not really why i think it's it's cool what i would do with this commander is just play it as a plus one counters voltron commander hmm. i think it's not a thing that you're really seeing in golgari colors you're in colors that have access to a bunch of really busted effects that interact with plus one counters whether it's Doubling season or, you know, things like solidarity of heroes or visions of dominance that like let you just double the counters as a, as a one off effect. <laughs> um, you know, pair it with a sack outlet and an ozolith and you can sacrifice it, move the counters to the ozolith, bring it back into play with the, the escape clause, move those counters that you just took off it back onto it. Um, there's a ton of ways to give things trample in green. It doesn't have trample built into it, but like, Hey, throw a berserk onto it. And it's a I think it would be a really cool like variant of a Voltron commander in colors that don't really do that, that interact with plus one counters. And I, it's something that nothing else would really do. And I, I would like to see that see more play. That's how I would build it. Yeah, Golgari's had
1: a lot of really cool plus one plus one synergies, but sometimes it just gets overlooked or maybe pushed to the side by Simic and, and Selesnia kind of doing the exact same thing. So I like having Golgari. Golgari because you've you've seen Veroles Scar Scarstriped. You've mm-hmm. seen other plus one plus one commanders in Golgari colors. But I really, really do like Pelucranos. I have it in my Ukima and Kazar plus one plus one counters deck. Mm. And it always does an, a, just a, a load of work. I love it. It's such a good card. And I'm honestly kind of surprised that more people haven't latched onto that idea.
2: Dana, literally all the stuff that you were describing there was reminding me of my Rehan and Ishai deck. And like I had to branch into four sure. colors to achieve some of the stuff that you were talking about. But the whole mission of that deck is exactly what you were talking about. Just like make a huge creature, pile the plus one counters into something useful, maybe Voltron someone down with commander damage or use amazing like the, the plus one counter doublers to just like go completely wild. And especially since you're in black, you've also got access to some cards like uh, Essence Harvest, for example. So if you did. In fact, make a huge Pelucranos that, you know, doubled all of the counters with the corpse Jack Menace or whatever. You can cast an Essence Harvest and then drain an opponent equal to the power of your huge commander, which could be up to like 24 just by having cast it because you got a bunch of token doublers. Like, excuse me, not token doublers, plus one counter doublers. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. That's really efficient. I, I, If I saw this one uh, in the command zone against me, I would be pretty worried, actually, because now that you've actually described the things that this stuff can do, that's alarmingly efficient.
0: And this is another one that I've, uh, that I've kind of liked to, to be honest, have thought about building before. Like I'm not, again, <laughs> I to just go through a list. I've, I've been eyeballing this in the past. Like, I wonder if I could. So yeah, this is again, one I've been thinking about before. And I don't think I'll build it because I do have a Slesnia deck that's doing a lot of similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, currently with my Turmoil with the Eternal deck, which I believe is one we talked about as a commander the last time we did underplayed commanders. And I took his oh, advice it? there and built a deck. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's funny. I I think in that episode, we
2: also mentioned Martin Stromgald and that's one that I ended up building. So we need to rename these episodes not to our favorite underplayed commanders, but like, here's what the deck building forecast looks like for us in the future. This is actually (laughs) a future site.
0: (laughs) Commanders we might eventually get around to
2: building. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's fun stuff. But hey, uh, well, we've got a couple of other fun underplayed commanders that we want to get into with other strategies to dive into as well we do also want to take a brief pause for challenge the stats too because there's so much data on eda track but we don't always agree with all that data sometimes we think that cards are over or underplayed so let's take a quick break and come back with some challenges
1: well i'm going to get us started here with my pick this week and my pick is a case of if you want one, you probably want another. So, Growth Spiral is already played in almost 92,000 decks, which is a significant amount of decks. And if you want a second copy of that effect, People seem to be sleeping on joint exploration from Dominary United. So it's only being played in 2600 decks so far. And for one and a blue, you get an instant that has kicker of a green. And the card just says scry two, then draw a card. If this spell was kicked, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So this is just kind of an upgraded and, and beefier version of growth spiral, where growth spiral is just draw a card and then you can put a land from your hand on the battlefield at instant speed. So only having to pay one more mana to get a Scry 2 out of it, that just seems like a very easy, not quite upgrade. But like I said, if you want Growth Spiral, you probably want Joint Exploration. If you want Joint Exploration, you probably want a, jo- a Growth Spiral as well. So so many decks just seem to be sleeping and forgetting that Joint Exploration exists so far. It is from a fairly recent set, but Growth Spiral exploded. It literally, It mm-hmm. grew on people with how popular <laughs> it was. And so it's kind of surprising people haven't explored any additional options with joint exploration. So I expect this card eventually to latch on. Uh, This seems like the type of card that people are going to see in a pre-con and then buy five more copies for their Simic decks. But for now, it's just not getting near as much love, and it's just a simple, easy little addition that is just going to give you so much more consistency. You're going to be able to find land drops and get them into speed, instant speed. So if you have any landfall triggers you like playing, uh, maybe get some surprise blockers or anything like that. It's just a fantastic addition. It's another copy of Growth Spiral, uh, and it's already we have the the base level, which is ninety two thousand decks for Growth Spiral. I'm not saying all ninety two thousand decks want another copy, but I would guess at least have to. And that's a significant amount of decks for joint exploration to find its way into. So if you like Growth Spiral, you want another copy, explore your way onto the the joint exploration <laughs> card because that's just a great, great addition.
2: <laughs> dad jokes in the challenge to stats. Matt, you are killing me. I
1: mean, oh. you you could join me in this and it could be a joint Stop. dad joke. Stop. Okay. No, we're moving. I'm going to move to our listener <laughs> challenge. Let's do this together, Joey. Come on.
2: <laughs> we're going to move to our listener challenge right, this week. fine. Uh, this comes to us from Chad Haverkamp, who has a great challenge for a card that is currently a little bit overplayed in Moldrotha the Gravetide deck. Specifically, there's a rules non-bow that this is a really great thing to to dig into to make sure that Moldrotha players are being as wise as possible about the cards that they play in their decks. Specifically, the card that is named here is Canoptic Tomb Sentinel, which is a recent card from the Warhammer 40k set. And about 511 Moldrotha decks have been built since this uh, since the warhammer set released and about 20 percent of those are running canoptic tomb sentinel and that's going to be too much because there is a rules nonbo here that chat points out so canoptic tomb sentinel is a four mana artifact creature insect it has a uh, it is vigilant it is a four three and it has this ability exile cannon when canoptic tomb sentinel enters the battlefield from a graveyard exile up to one target non permanent so nothing when you cast it normally but it has an unearth ability that unearth ability is generally where you would get the actual exile cannon effect to exile a target non permanent. The idea that looks to be happening here is that Muldrotha players expect that you can cast this as, say, your artifact for the turn with Muldrotha's effects. You can cast it from your graveyard, and then you would be able to exile target non permanent. The problem that Chad points out is that when you are casting that, it doesn't enter from the graveyard. It enters from the stack, so you don't actually get that effect for the Tomb Sentinel to exile anything at all. So the 20% of the recent Moldrotha decks that are playing this one so far, maybe reconsider. Thank you so much for pointing out this rules nonbow. We appreciate listener challenge the stats so much, especially when they help us get better about these types of tricky rules interactions. So thank you for that. And now let's move on to our final challenge.
0: The final challenge we have here comes from way back in Tempest. Um, it's a sorcery named Ledger Domain, two and a two blue. Um, it says exchange control of target artifact or creature with another target permanent that shares one of those types with it. And this effect just lasts indefinitely. It's not like a control magic effect where if someone removes it, they can get the control of their creature back. You're just swapping the worst thing you control for the best thing they control. Or the worst thing one of your opponent's controls for the best thing one of your other opponent's controls, if there's a logical <laughs> reason to do that as well. You don't gotta do it to yourself necessarily. Um, roll reversal from War of the Spark is in 5000 decks. This is in only about 1500. Um, but roll reversal requires you to be in is it colors. So it's a very, very good card because you can exchange control of any permanence. You can swap a planeswalker for a planeswalker and enchantment for an enchantment, whatever. Um, but you have to have access to both those colors, if not every deck does. And I, I think Legend of Main should see more play, particularly in decks where you're making tokens, especially small tokens. Things like Taloran Sky Summoner, for example, is where I run it. Mm. I will gladly exchange control of a Drake I already attacked with that's now tapped for whatever the biggest thing you have is, while also making myself a replacement Drake because it's a sorcery spell. Things like Marnius Calgar from the most recent uh, Warhammer set makes star Warrior tokens. You can swap out one of those those 2-2 Warrior tokens for, again, some big, awful beater that you don't want to deal with. Well, why remove it when you can just take it? <laughs> Legend of Man, I think, is a really, really solid card in, in the right deck and should definitely see more play. If you are making tokens and you have access to blue and and, and either want a second copy of Roll Reversal or just don't have access to red so you can't run Roll Reversal.
2: Why remove it when you can just take it?
1: Absolutely. This is another one of those cards, though, that it was only printed back in Tempest. So nobody (laughs) except for Dana knows this card exists. You know what it reminds me of a little bit?
2: Uh, Matt, I think it was you who challenged on a, a show a little bit ago, several episodes back, cultural exchange, which also mm-hmm. allows you to gain control of other people's stuff by exchanging Wii tokens and things like that. And I, I'm just going to need both of you guys to stop um, playing blue stuff that's going to steal my things. I want to play my thing. Stop stealing my
0: stuff, you guys. Don't don't run good stuff and I won't try to take it
2: problem problem solved
0: that's exactly it
2: <laughs> they won't take your stuff if your stuff isn't worth taking all right so line.
1: i i came into that i was playing another card game with some friends this weekend i was playing here to slay which there's a card in there that's basically ledger main but it's repeatable and it's absolutely right if you don't have anything worth stealing people aren't going to steal your stuff <laughs> so yes I, that, that applies to just any card game in general not just magic
2: I suppose. Wow, that is so, so silly. Okay, let's... (laughs) let's get back into our main topic here i will take the lead on this next underplayed commander that i i hope gets to see a little bit more love this one is inquisitor eisenhorn from the Warhammer deck so it's very very recent 84 decks to its name at the current moment but specifically the reason that i think this one isn't going to budge too much more uh, highly even though it is recent is that it's currently in 19th place of the 24 warhammer legends that are available a lot of the other legends have been able to to sort of take people's attention here specifically this is blue black commander that like i don't care about any of the other words on it the thing that i care about is that it says whenever it hits an opponent it investigates equal to the amount of damage that it has done like it will create a number of clue tokens equal to the damage that it does to another person Blah. That's amazing. That is just so, so cool. That's so many clues. That can be so many clues. This is feels to me like a, a, a clever artifact Voltroni deck just waiting to happen. And I, I really hope it gets to have above uh, 100 decks, above 300, above 500. Like, this actually strikes me as being incredibly good. If you stick a cranial plating or a nettle cyst in there, all those clues suddenly pump up the commander even more. This is a, a
0: machine. This thing seems so, so good. Yeah, yeah. That was, as soon as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, Nettlesis would be great in here. So would Cranial Floating. And then like three <laughs> seconds later, Joey's like, run a Nettlesys or a Cranial fighting. Yeah, actually, this is a card I don't, I think I read, but it didn't entirely register in my brain what exactly it did. <laughs> Cause absolutely, that, 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 that will get stronger every turn in the right kind of deck. Yeah. That's a, that is very, very cool. I like that commander a lot. It's a good, that's a good pick. I wonder if like the first paragraph on it kind of
2: buries the most important. So it, this is the four mana Demir 2-3. You may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, you create a legendary 4-4 four, four black demon creature token with flying and it's named something that I, uh, Cherub Bale? I can't pronounce that. But like, th- there's like, Four lines of text in front of the most important stuff on this card. And I think that is what is burying it a little bit, because the most important stuff that it can do, making so many clue tokens, is like not until you get down near the last part of the card. And I, I just really think that this is a very potent effect.
1: It's it's very potent for sure. It, yeah. Just not just the, the ability on the text, but like you said, Joey, there's approximately 1700 Different commanders in Warhammer 40k precons. So this is (laughs) just—it's. Oh, there's so many good designs that are just buried so far down that it's really hard. You, it stinks that you have to kind of do your own homework to find a a powerful commander that other people are doing. Not that they're not powerful, but just they're they're so far down all these lists. Can you can you imagine I'm just like can you
2: imagine you hit someone with this and you'll investigate twice but oops you have a, an academy manufacturer in play so you actually get two clues two food and two treasure each turn like I ah oh, that's that's gonna be awesome or we mentioned some demir planeswalkers earlier Tzeret Master of the Bridge. Like that one pluses and you deal damage to your opponents equal to the number of artifacts you have. Well, Inquisitor Eisenhorn Horn is going to make a whole bunch of artifacts. Or like Dana, a favorite of yours, is Shimmer Dragon. Tap all of those things so that they yeah. can be. They, you mm-hmm. draw a bunch of cards. I really feel like this has so much potential. Just just waiting there. This
0: is a fantastic
2: clue, Commander.
0: I, I'm already try, trying to think if I want to try to brew this now. You've convinced hey. me. To, oh, you've convinced me to maybe give it a go. Yes. Wait, don't you already have a blue-black artifacts deck? Are you going to double-dip? three, I think. <laughs> what's What's one more? You have three? Not, not artifact decks, just blue-black decks, but like, what's a one out of four a thing went into the party? It'll be a good time.
1: Dana, like all of us, has the type.
2: Yeah, no, and I've, I've got a, a whole bunch of Golgari stuff that I tinker around with, too, so you, I, I I might build that Pelucranus one that he mentioned earlier, right. so like, <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves. Alright, Matt, let's throw it to you.
1: So, another one of mine, it's, it's one of those commanders that I mentioned earlier that you look down the list and you're like, I, you can't tell me there's ten other commanders that are better at this thing than this one commander. Um, so I, the next one I want to talk about is General Kudro of Dranith. It's it's one in Orzov colors. For a legendary human soldier, it says other humans you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, whenever General Kudro of Draineth or another human enters the battlefield under your control, you exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. You're welcome, Joey. Hey. And also you can pay two mana and sacrifice two humans. Also, you're welcome, Joey, to destroy target creature with power four or greater. So you've got a lot going on here that it's kind of like what I mentioned with Titanium Nature's Force. Nothing, not one ability is going to blow you away with how powerful or efficient it is, but it's doing so many things that are always going to be useful. You have built-in fate. you have removal, you have an anthem for all the tokens or whatever you want to be making. Mm-hmm. I just, I like all the things that are going on here. They don't stand out, but there's so much utility. I really love commanders like this. That there's you have so many little things going on that they're just a very very useful and there's not really a time you don't want to see this card whether you're playing it in the 99 or in your command zone it's kind of like uh, to me it feels like Tristani Discordant type of commander yeah there it's it, there's not a lot of wow factor to it but there's a lot of nice things that you want that you're always gonna have relevant in a game and it's just it's just a fantastic commander. And so I see that there's only 350 General Kudro decks out there. And I just wonder, like, what did people just not care? Was Ikoria, was it such a complicated and crowded set that everybody just forgot this card existed? I, I just, I can't figure it out. I think it's just a great utility card. There's a lot going on. Just so many small abilities that's never going to be irrelevant. And I just, to me, that seems like a recipe for a great commander. One of the
2: things that I think buries this the most is the fact that this can show up in other mm-hmm. human decks, like Jarina Kudro or Trin and Silvar. Oh, absolutely. And that is a thing that I, I'm pretty sure you noted it earlier, but it's worth repeating here again, is that we feel like we want to get as much value out of a thing as possible. Like, I think this came up when we were talking about, like, maybe just play a mono red Nassari. That could also totally work. And we as commander mm-hmm. players sometimes feel like we'd be leaving value on the table if we didn't expand into all of the options. But I, I love the comparison that you made to for discordant. And for a while... Uh, so you've just moved your Selesnya deck into Tristani Discord. I did. And for a while it was also a Yasharn deck. Mm-hmm. And that thing too, like you look at it, you read it and it's not blowing you away, but holy crap it was putting in so much work for you and so does Tristani. Again, it's not the kind of thing that is like, oh yeah, this really like screams like you must build me. But the amount of utility, like it's got so many words on that, especially this Kudrow example here. There are so many words here. This is a very finely tuned card that is doing a lot of the things that you want once you're actually in a game, even if... At first blush, when you first read it, it doesn't blow you away the way that some other commanders that have access to more colors might be more dazzling at first glance.
1: And I think that's the biggest strike against it, too. Like you said, Joey, only being two colors. That's probably what people generally people just like playing more colors because they have access to more cards and more options.
0: One thing I think that that kind of hurts but maybe shouldn't too, is like primarily we've been talking about commanders that are very much asking you to build around the commander. And if the commander isn't in play, the deck probably isn't going to function as well as it as it normally would. And mm. there's advantages to that, but there's also disadvantages. If commander's stolen, if it gets killed too many times, your deck works less effectively. It, that's where commanders like General Kudro come in. If you are building a a human deck like this it doesn't need General Kudro to function. It's just a piece that adds extra utility to the deck when it's already working. And there are downsides to that. Maybe it's not as powerful, but there are upsides too in that your deck functions just fine if you don't cast your commander or someone kills it three times and you don't have the mana to cast it again. There's plenty of upsides to that as well, and I think people prefer to go the splashier route and go with the commander. That's a real important part of how your deck functions versus something like this where... If you don't cast it, your deck's gonna work just fine.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely fall into that pit tr- or the the pitfall, I guess you would say, <laughs> of my my deck does absolutely diddly without my <laughs> commander in play. I have probably of, of all my decks, I probably have like three, I would say, that can do okay without the commander in play. But that's also that's just how I build my decks, though. Mm-hmm. I, I I play commander because I want to do the one thing, and I look at a commander and I say, okay, I want to do this thing. And so Yes, it it does feel kind of weird saying people should play this more generically powerful commander because that's kind of the exact opposite of what I do when I build decks.
0: Uh, so, my last commander here I have is, is actually relatively new. It's from Dominar United. And it's, it's one of the box topper commanders. And I think it's what we t- actually talked about a little bit when we talked about a few of those box toppers. And that's General Marhalt Els Dragon. Mm. Um, there's currently only 250 decks in EDH Rec. Um, and there's a lot of competition if you want to play creature stompy stuff in, in Gruel, which is what, this commander's in two and a red and a green for a four four he's an elf warrior um whenever a creature you control becomes blocked it gets plus three plus three till end of turn for each creature blocking it and we talked about this a little bit and how like oh you can you know use a bunch of lure effects I do think that's the reason people should be playing this commander. I think there's nothing else out there that's going to demand that you build a deck built around forcing people to block your creature. (laughs) And I think like that's a really cool effect, though, if you can find yourself in that position where, hey, someone's got a bunch of creatures over there, and you're going to make them all block whatever creature you want to attach your stuff to. Everything else will get through. The thing that is being blocked will then get ginormous and hopefully trample down much over the top as well as killing all of their stuff in the process i I think that's a really neat niche commander that again nothing else is really duplicating there's nothing else that you can really say i want to run like eight different ways to give my creatures a lure (laughs) that's that right right, and have that be like an effective strategy that you're going to build your entire deck around so I, i think it's a it's a it's a strange unique thing that will look different than every other deck at the table and i think it just should see more play for that reason Oh
2: man, can you imagine this with like that? What is that one mana taunting elf? Zero yeah. one, all creatures able yeah. to block taunting elf have to do so. And then you've got this in place So you attack the token player, Mr. Matt Morgan over there. It's Just like, all right, cool. My zero one taunting elf is now a 300 slash 301 taunting elf. And also your entire board is gone. This is I I am I am very surprised actually that this one doesn't have more to its name because there's a lot of unique stuff on offer here
0: and, and you have cards in green like benefactors draft that let you untap every creature so like people can't <laughs> even get away with it by tapping all their creatures down you can untap all of their stuff when you force them to block oh yeah I oh, just what it, it's it's a it, it could be a super fun commander I think um, if you're willing to think outside the box and it, it yeah I, I would like to see this this show up at tables more often. I mean, I remember
1: when we talked about just all the the commander or not the commander legends, but the the Dominary legends, revisited legends, electric boogaloo legends, whatever it was <laughs> that we called it. But but yeah, we we both of us, Danny, you and I, we were very excited about the things that you can be doing with this commander, just seeing the character come back and all that. So yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is. Kind of, well, granted, there was a lot of these commanders that were kind of revisited. Yes, sure. So yeah, this one definitely was kind of caught up in the wash. But I do love what it's still going on still. And yeah, it's just a—it's a fun command. Yeah, that—that that is really cool.
2: It gets the nostalgia points for it as well. This is—this mm-hmm. would lead to a fun time up until the moment that you've uh, used that taunting elf to kill my entire board, right. and I'm just like, well, what <laughs> right. do I do now? Well, I suppose I just get trampled over by the rest of the red-green onslaught that is sure to come my way the very next turn. That is a. Uh, that's really cool um i'll go from that red green and move back into i have a final blue black example here that i want to bring up it is vohar vodalian desecrator also a commander from this year from the uh dominaria set i think that we got this year and it is a little merfolk looter type of effect right there in your command zone and i think that's important for a couple of reasons so it is a uh blue and a black a two mana phyrexian a merfolk wizard a one two it can tap to draw a card then discard a card if you discarded an instant or sorcery card this way each opponent loses one. One life and you gain one life and also you can pay to and sacrifice vohar to cast target Instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn and then if it would be put back if that uh, spell would be put into your graveyard from there instead it will be exiled you can only use that effect as a sorcery speed effect um this probably looks a little nondescript but uh, matt i don't know you've played some of the older formats could you, you know, share with the class the best use of those merfolk looter effects and and what might be useful to get into the graveyards when you're discarding stuff from your hand? Any ideas, bud? Uh,
1: I, there's reanimation. <laughs> there's reanimation. <laughs> there's, Gold star. There's <laughs> casting spells from your graveyard. <laughs> <sighs> I hate that you make me do this. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Come on, dad. You are a dad. You embarrass me in public. You've you, you got the job.
2: <laughs> I've, I've, we've moved, we've evolved from dad jokes to dad, <laughs> dad <laughs> embarrassing. There we've got, oh man. This is a two mana looter in the command zone, and it can also flashback one of your spells. That is a just such an efficient recipe for a Demir Reanimator commander. So you can use this turn two, you play it, turn three, you tap draw a card, discard like an Archon of Cruelty, or a Sheoldred or a Triplicate Titan, and then reanimate it with an Animate Dead, or the spell Reanimate, or a Necromancy, or use Ever After as another one, Dance of the Dead, Persist. There are so many amazing things that you can do here, and I just love this as an option, another option for Demir Reanimator. We've seen Reanimator in a bunch of different forms, but this fills a very specific purpose for Reanimator decks that is sometimes very difficult to Actually, get going. Like I play a lot of Reanimator, and sometimes getting stuff into the graveyard in the first place is a difficult hurdle. And this commander just aces that quiz. It does such a good job of getting stuff into your graveyard in the first place, and it filters your hand, and it can flashback your reanimation spells if you need it to. This this has a, a just gold star. I just this has winner all over it. I really think this one should get another look.
0: That's ir- yeah, and the fact that it's two mana makes a is a big yeah. deal too. I'm a little bit surprised at a two mana commander that loots. It isn't just being played just out of, for value reasons and in demer <laughs> colors. That's really, really useful. And and again, I think it's because it has that like, oh, if you discard instants and
2: sorceries, you get extra effects. So that takes the attention. But who cares about that part? You don't need that right. part. You can just discard the big creatures. Discard an ancient silver dragon or an ancient brass dragon. Reanimate it next turn and go to town. Oh man, talk about decks that we might build in the future. I ah oh, mm, <laughs> just mm, I'm just in love. All right. I could I could probably spend the rest of the podcast talking about this one, but we won't. We won't. Matt, you've got one final example. Take the floor.
1: Well, my my one final example is kind of a culmination of everything that we've seen over the past few years of just getting a whole bunch of different commanders, different legendary Permanence and legendary creatures and all that stuff so my pick is going to be empress galena so there's only 250 <laughs> decks for empress galena and joey your challenge talked about stealing people's stuff I, yeah. so why not put that effect into the command zone so as commanders get more and more powerful empress galena decks get more and more powerful just by nature of stealing their commanders now granted people don't always love it when you steal their commanders mm-hmm. we've talked about this many times but Because 80% of the creatures in the 99 are legendary creatures these days. (laughs) You get to steal pretty much whatever. But also, it does say a legendary permanent. It does not have to be, as Dana pointed out with his uh, challenge stats a few weeks ago, read the fine text. It's not just legendary creatures. If you want to steal somebody's um, Gaia's Cradle, (laughs) Cool. You want to steal a Planeswalker? Cool. You can steal any legendary permanent for the low, low mana cost of two blue and tapping Empress Galena. So if you have ways to untap your creatures, you can do this multiple times a turn. So it's any legendary permanent, and we've gotten so many legendary permanents, whether it's artifacts. um, You have all these legendary creatures and lands and just everything going on. You can just steal a format full of (laughs) targets this is just great. So every time we get a new set, you get 60 new targets for Empress Galena. That's just great. That's wonderful. So Empress Galena, just, it's forgotten about. It hasn't been printed since Invasion. But also, it just gets better literally with every set
2: so matt i know that you were being facetious when you were like these days 80 percent of creatures and decks are legendary i know that that was just like an exaggeration but like we have absolutely was done it really? episodes <laughs> like, right, we've right. done episodes in the past where we have noted the number of legendary permanents in decks keeps going up and up each year so like yeah this is getting more powerful but also but also matthew what you i want to break your brain here real quick no you're talking about stealing legendary stuff right mm-hmm. do you know the card Leyline line of singularity
1: i do I do
2: if Leyland of Singularity is in your opening hand, you can be in the game with it and play. Yada yada. Uh, it also is an enchantment that says all non land permanents are
1: legendary, so Empress Galena can just take anything. 77% of Empress Galena decks are already onto that idea, they're hip to your gym, <laughs> Joseph. Um, so, so good job, 77% of deck builders. Uh, 33% get with the times. Oh
2: man, this this would be a very terrifying deck to go up against. Only 255 so far on the EDH rec. And um uh Matt, if this goes
1: up, it's your fault. I literally said during Challenge of Stats, stop taking my stuff, and what do you do? Uh, so I'm I'm taking your stuff, I'm exiling your graveyards, I'm doing everything that you hate, which means I'm probably on the right track. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And th- this is a card, you know, we talked recently about, um, the, the effect of reprints on prices too. Like this was a relatively expensive card for a long time because the only printing was an in invasion. Um, but there's a list printing now and a secret layer printing of it. So it's, I think the list version is under $5. So this, this also can be had hmm. for a pretty, um, reasonable price compared to what it once was.
2: Yeah. All right. That's that's definitely good to note. Um, Again, though, Dana, I'm going to have to uh, request stop encouraging people to take my stuff. What did I just say? Okay, fair. That's fair. Dang. Well, those were really cool explorations. I'm I'm way into a lot of these. I can see why they are some of our favorite underplayed uh, commanders. But I guess before we actually close this episode out, uh, fellows, do we have any other final thoughts that we want to share about these underplayed gems of legends?
0: Uh, maybe not about these ones, but like, I think in general, I mean, we, we were all talking about how we're thinking about building these and taking ideas from one another. I would love to hear from our listeners about some underplayed commanders they think should see more play and maybe specifically why. Like, don't just say this is a cool commander. Tell us like how you would build it, what you think a, an interesting, unique brew path would be. Um, cause I'm, I'm always listening and open to new ideas and I think all of us are. And maybe it's a way to get your ideas out there to other listeners. So feel free to tweet at us or, or send us a message somewhere about what you think, you know, would, would be a cool underplayed commander. Respond in the comments of the YouTube video down below. Um, Whatever is best for you, but yeah, I'd like to hear some of these some of these ideas back from listeners
2: yeah, that's a, a really great idea. It'll be,
0: yeah, there's
2: there's just, again, as we said, there are so many legends out there these days. It's nice for some of these to get a little bit more time in the spotlight because there just are so many mm-hmm. legendary creatures every single set. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are bangers. And we just don't all have the ability to pay attention to every single one. But again, when we stop and we pause and we comb through a lot of these, we find some terrific abilities, including Matt's ability to steal my stuff, which I'm going to ask him one final time to stop doing. But I understand. And I'm going to tell
1: I'm you hard. one final time no
2: (laughs) this is what happens when we let the Selesnia player start playing blue it's um it's a problem for me we we
0: become the things that we hate (laughs) dogs and cats living together mass hysteria mass hysteria Oh, man.
2: All right. But yeah, like Dana said, listeners, we would love to hear from you about your favorite underplayed commanders, especially any recent ones that have come out within this past year. What things do you think aren't getting enough of the limelight but totally deserve it? With that, though, we'll call the episode to a close. So, fellas, if our listeners want to get in touch with us, where's it that they can find us all? Matt?
1: So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55, that's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And don't forget, we are streaming over at twitch.tv slash EDHRETCAST every Wednesday evening. We have guests on every single week. It's a super fun time, so make sure you tune in for all of that as well. And Dana.
0: You can find me on the Twitter, it's at Dana Roach. You can hear me on the other podcast, CMDR Central, and you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash EDHRETCAST.
2: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz. And you can find the cast at EDH Retcast on Facebook and Twitter. Plus, if you have a question for us, you can contact us at edhretcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to Chase for assisting me with the post-production of the show. You can find them online at Mana Curves. And listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.